officially a little bumper for World Conference. And uh, Davis, thank you uh, for that. In case you don't know what Every Nation is, that is the, that's the spiritual family that our church is a part of. We're part of something globally uh, that's working to plant churches, uh, take people on mission trips, and engage in missions, and then also reach college students uh, on the college campus. And so every three years, it's like the United Nations, you know, we descend in one city, thousands of people, and we worship together. And I don't know if you saw that guy with no shirt on, you know, it was, uh, the Samoan guy. If you've never seen other cultures worship before, like really worship in completely different contexts, it is one of the most um, exhilarating things to see and to be part of. And while this is no slight to a church that isn't a part of a ministry, uh, a global ministry, but when you get the opportunity to be part of a spiritual family that's connected around the world, there's nothing like it. So if you'd like to go to World Conference, you can get more information by texting HP Info to 97,000. Uh, guys, here's what I'd like to do. We're going we're gonna to be wrapping up a series today called the Holy Spirit. But before we do, I know there's plenty of people serving uh, who participated in this. But we just finished our first uh, Making Disciples uh, class here at High Point Church. And even if you're still uh, taking, uh, moving through the online version of it, everybody stand up who signed up and has been a part of that, who either finished or is in the middle of it right now. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Uh-huh. Put your hands together. So I couldn't be more thrilled to celebrate what God's doing. These people, you can go ahead and have a seat, are working towards God moving in their life in such a way that they become more fruitful and effective with the faith that God has given them. And that's what we want to see at our church. We want to see disciples who make disciples, right? We aren't simply uh, having church to have church. We want to worship God, and we want to live in such a way that whether you work at CarMax or whether you work at, uh, on the college campus, whether you're in full-time ministry, whether you work at Home Depot, that you would be fruitful with your faith, that you can reproduce what God has done inside of you, inside of somebody else. So the next time you see making disciples go around, because it's going to be back before you know it, sign up. You can get more information by texting HP info to 97,000. In all seriousness, we've got a big announcement for us today because we conclude our series. I don't know if you saw today, but as of this weekend, there is officially only one brick and mortar blockbuster left in the entire world. It's a true story. The last the second to last blockbuster was in Australia, and it closed down this weekend, leaving one left in Oregon, the state of Oregon. They don't even have internet, apparently, so they can't stream. If you don't know what blockbuster is, you haven't lived. Blockbuster was what people like myself would do in the early 90s on a Friday night when you needed a movie to watch, you would get in your car, or better yet, mom and dad would drive you in their car to Blockbuster where you would mosey up and down the aisles like a zombie looking for the new release of the movie that you wanted to see. You'd spend no less than an hour walking around in Blockbuster trying to find that movie that you wanted. You know you had to have it back in three days or the, the late charges were going to take you to the bank. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing. Be kind, rewind. <laughs> oh, that's right, because you had to rewind that VHS tape. Right? You know that was right. Right? You, you guys don't even know what you're missing. You'd go to reach for that movie. The one that you wanted, and then you'd realize the, the blank blockbuster video wasn't behind it, which meant already taken. You know, they just fooled, they had you. They had you. Right now you stream everything, right? And, and glory, glory. It's amazing, right? But there is something nostalgia about blockbuster. I say that to say to you. It's amazing the transformations that we can see even in our own culture. Blockbuster, who would have ever thought 
that in the course of about 10 to 15 years, a company that was absolutely at the top of its game would be gone, non-existent. Communication shifts in, in the way we consume media and the way we engage with people and one another have transformed culture. We inherently understand transformation, and sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we're uncomfortable with it because it does inherently mean a change, right? But, but if you've ever watched, like, The Biggest Loser and you see the transformation from one person who loses a lot of weight, and you, you, we celebrate the transformation that someone has made physically, we understand the beauty and power of transformation, Physical, economic, and also spiritual. When I was a show, the, the cartoon in the 80s was Transformers. An alien robot species who would transform into some kind of robot. And my personal favorite is He-Man. You had Prince Adam, who at, the, at the just the right time, I know some of you weren't even allowed to watch this show, Right? But it would transform into a warrior and fight evil. And every kid on the block wanted to be He-Man. And we understood, we understood this idea that, that you can become something more. Right? And even spiritually, one of the things, that, as we begin to talk about the power and transformative power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be reminded this morning that that who you are is not who you have to remain. Who you are is not who you have to remain. The Holy Spirit, similar to a He-Man moment, a She-Ra moment, a Transformers moment, the Holy Spirit changes you and makes you into something different. And while some transformations uh, leave us with frustration or the look of nostalgia or, or I wish it used to be like it was back in the day, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and changes you, there's no looking back. Because with God, it's glory to glory. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. He's bringing you into something new. That doesn't mean you're not going to have hard moments. That doesn't mean, as, as Catherine mentioned earlier in the transition, that, that somehow you won't have difficult circumstances. But who you are on the inside is being renewed and made into something different. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is good news. Because if you're like me, sometimes I have moments as a 38-year-old father of four, married for 13 years, and I think to myself, how do I still have the capacity to be ugly or to be sinful or to be a jerk or to be a fill-in-the-blank? Shouldn't by now I be something totally new who never deals with that? The reality is that isn't true, and God is continuing to work out my salvation. He's continuing to renew me and make me and you something new. You guys with me this morning? Jesus changes everything. And he continues to change everything. One of the things that you're going to begin seeing printed around the church here in our portable in our portable environment in our school. It isn't that Jesus changed everything, as if he changed it one time back when. No, it's that he changes everything, meaning every single day, the capacity for Jesus to change your life is there. That, friends, is really good news, because we all really need it. Some of you are in traffic on the way to church today, and you about lost your salvation. You know what I'm talking about. We need Jesus, do we not? We need more of him. Turn to 1 Corinthians 4, 18. We're going to begin to talk about the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, specifically as it pertains to gifts today. Spiritual gifts, might I add. 
And if you need to, to catch up on the podcast or some of the previous messages, you can get the podcast on iTunes and you can listen and catch up. Uh, but this is, this is a message where you don't necessarily had to have listened to the previous ones to be able to jump in. 1 Corinthians 4.18 says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Everyone say power. It is the power of God. That is the message of Jesus. It's the power of God at work in your life. Do you sense God's power working in your life? pastor that I like to follow somewhat on Twitter or Instagram says it like this. Jesus didn't go through all his suffering so we could go to church. He did what he did to atone for sin. And by doing so, he made it possible to raise up a transformed people, those who could maintain the standard he set in love, purity, and power. Man, you and I are supposed to walk in the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. And there are so many times, church, where I wake up in the morning, and you know how I don't feel? Powerful. It's the last thing I feel. I might be irritable, impatient, worried, frustrated, depressed, discouraged, I might be full of joy. I might be sipping on some coffee, having the best day of my life, right? But lo and behold, my feet don't touch the ground, and I just feel this surge of electricity coursing through my body, and I feel the Holy Spirit like electric rays, you know, shooting out from my fingers. That's not how I feel. Surprise, in case you thought I did. I don't actually feel that way. And the reality is, most of you don't either. In fact, none of you do. But it doesn't change the truth or the reality that you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power, with great power, comes great responsibility. That was free. That was free. So here's what we're going to talk about today. It's a little bit more academic today. Uh, I'm going to share some personal experience as well for you. But I want to lay a foundation for you on what it looks like to really walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Because the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of God's presence and power in your life. But a lot of times, uh, the Holy Spirit, it's like the, you know, we've talked about this before, it's the crazy uncle, right? That you don't know how to introduce to anybody. We understand Father, we understand Son, but Spirit isn't something, at least as Westerners, that we naturally gravitate towards. It can be uncomfortable. And for some of us, we've, it's uncomfortable because of abuse we've seen on TV or abuse we've experienced in other churches with the Holy Spirit. You know, emotionalism or fake this, all that is, it, it can be true. It could also be the fear of letting go and losing control that God would truly be sitting on the throne of your life and take over your actions, your heart, your thoughts. That can be discomforting. We're going to get into it today because I believe that God has called you and he's called me, our church, to walk in greater power. Amen? Father, be with us. Bring the word to life for us today. God, I pray for gifts even for us, even now. Or that we wouldn't run, that we wouldn't be afraid, but that we would truly embrace your calling as a church to represent you in your fullness. Amen. The greatest gift of the Holy Spirit that you will ever experience is God changing your heart. Don't ever forget that. The greatest miracle is not someone's limbs growing out. It's the fact that someone who is far from God can be brought near to him. That is the greatest miracle any single person will ever experience in their lifetime. Don't ever forget the truth 
that Jesus Christ died on a cross, atoned for your sin, and by putting faith in him, the Spirit of God fills you, indwells you, and changes you from the inside out and makes you new. That is the greatest miracle and the greatest gift you will ever taste and ever see, but that doesn't change the fact that so much of the New Testament is filled with the miracles of God. That it's filled with people like you and I walking in giftedness. Spiritual gifts and the power of God was not and never has been reserved for the few. It hasn't been. It hasn't been reserved for the full-time pastor. It hasn't been. We see some of the most prolific ministry in the New Testament from people who are serving in the church. Guys like Stephen. Guys like Apollos. People like Aquila and Priscilla. Prophetesses. Prophets. Healers. People with gifts of wisdom and words of knowledge. Things that make us uncomfortable nowadays. Because it feels mystical. Right? Right? I can speak with great authority because I have spent still as a Christian the majority of my life believing that none of this is real. I've spent more time as a Christian still as a 38-year-old pastor of a church. I have spent more of my life thinking that God does not move in the life of human beings this way. Yet God has done something and transformed my heart and my mind. So you're going to hear a little bit of my process and journey. That Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to get right into it today. What are spiritual gifts and why do we have them? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through probably 10 or 11. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. It's a young church. It's a church that's very gifted. And he's having to give them some boundaries around how to walk in their giftedness. But understand, he's writing a letter to the church filled with everyday Corinthians who are attending a daily and weekly synagogue-type uh, moment where they're hearing teaching and they're having worship and they're singing songs. They're walking out their faith. In a pagan culture... But one of the things he encourages them about and, and praises them for is that they're walking in the gifts of the Spirit. But things have gotten a little bit crazy. And so he gives them boundaries. But one of the things that he talks about here for you and I is he starts laying out some of what the gifts are. And we get an understanding of why we have them in the first place. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good. We're going to hit pause on our VHS tape moment this morning. We're going to hit pause for just a second. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. For what? The common good. In other words, you and I have been given gifts from the Spirit that you are uniquely designed to carry, to bring about, and to give that are to bless everybody. Your life and the way that God has gifted you is to be a blessing to the common good. It is for everyone's profit. It is for everyone's gain that you are gifted and walking in the giftedness that only God and his spirit provides. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. You ever sat with someone who's just wise beyond their years? Has a spiritual gift of being wise. Unpacking the scripture and making sense of things. 
to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. If you've ever engaged with someone who walks in this type of gift, they just seem to know things by the Spirit that they shouldn't otherwise know, other than the fact that the Holy Spirit is bringing it to their brain. How can you explain that except the Spirit of God at work? To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you've been around someone that has a gift of faith, it doesn't matter what's going on. They just have the capacity to trust and believe and know that God is going to move. And when you get around them, you know what happens for you? Your faith just begins to rise. And you begin to think and function and feel like they do. They're like a little light bulb, you know, that just begins to, you know, shine and has that little spark. That's a gift of faith. For other people, they might have gifts of healing where they just have a capacity to pray. And God moves in healing ways. Miraculous ways. Some people are praying in tongues. Other people interpret tongues. These are the gifts of the Spirit. We aren't somehow defined to these being the only gifts of the Spirit. But some of these are, understandably, unique, are they not? In Romans, we, and I don't even have the passage listed, but you know there are spiritual gifts of administration, spiritual gifts of leadership, spiritual gifts of mercy, spiritual gifts of hospitality. There are loads and loads of spiritual gifts, but in all of them, it is the manifestation of the Spirit. That is what the gift does. In other words, like a birthday present that you get and you get to open, and when you open it and you use it and you care for it and you begin to blow, fan it into flame, when you operate in it, it manifests God's very presence. The gift is the manifestation of the Spirit, God's presence and His power, so that when you walk in the gifts of the Spirit, people get a glimpse of God. They get a glimpse of His power. They get a glimpse of who He is, and it makes them say, God is good and God is real, and it is to the edification of the church body. You guys with me this morning? We're getting into some theology and doctrine today. Woo! Yes! This changed my life. You need to know that. It took me four years. I heard it for the first time as a freshman in college, and I thought everyone who believed this was crazy, psycho, a manipulator, and borderline not even a Christian. And I'm not joking when I tell you this. I thought the church down the street that was part of this, this crazy ministry called Every Nation. I thought, it was, I thought it was a cult because people believe in the spiritual gifts. Surely that can't be true. Manipulation. Emotionalism. It's all fake. That's how I felt. That's how I believed. And to tell you the truth, if you really want to sit down with me, I am still, I am someone who... who sits back because I don't want to fall into the trap of being manipulated or falling into the trap of emotionalism. And so as your pastor, as someone who believes wholeheartedly in this, you also need to know that, that I, I walked in this and through this and still walk through it with a measure of caution. Because there has been a great amount of abuse. But abuse does not warrant disuse. Which is what we oftentimes do. Okay? Let's keep going here. Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. 
Paul once again is writing, he says, Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. He gave people these unique gifts. Now, these are an office, right? The, the office of pastor, the office of teacher, but make no mistake about it, it is still a gift that has been given. And the purpose of it was so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So why is it that we have spiritual gifts? Well, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. And when we taste the Spirit, we are able to acknowledge first that God is real and that God is good. The other thing, though, that Paul writes here is that spiritual gifts unite us. Giftedness in the church, when the church comes together, it forces us, if we do it right, to come together. And instead of bringing division, it brings unity. Spiritual gifts unite us. They don't divide us. We all have a gift and a part to play. And because that's true, that brings us together. What was it, if you heard Davis, the campus uh, director here, he spoke about our youth. What is it that they were doing today, right? Now, I'm not saying this is a spiritual gift per se, but while you were worshiping and while the worship team was playing instruments and while First Alert is making sure the hallway is safe, our teenagers are cleaning up and what you're seeing is a whole team coming together. Imagine when spiritual gifts are all working together in the church. It's an incredible, incredible moment of unity. The other thing that Paul writes, he says it in verse 13, in the knowledge that we get to grow and be built up in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, spiritual gifts are to mature us like Jesus, not mature us like celebrities. And for, for much of our culture, we have treated growth in spiritual gifts like a celebrity culture. As if somehow, look at me, look at the accolades, look at the strength, look at the power, look at the giftedness. And even when we think about having spiritual gifts, oftentimes our motives are impure. Because we think, man, what would it be like? To be able to like lay hands on somebody and then be healed, I would be awesome. No, you wouldn't be awesome. Jesus would be awesome. Because Jesus is the one who is still healing. He just uses his faithful servants who are willing to step out and according to their faith, let it be done. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about celebrities or special people or pedestal moments. It's about you and I becoming like Jesus. And you know who Jesus was? He was the fullness of all of these gifts in one man. The fullness of God. And so when we come together and we walk in the giftedness and power of the Holy Spirit, we represent the many-faceted beauty of God. And we get to show that to the world and to one another. It literally is the manifestation of God's Spirit and His presence. And it makes people say, wow. God is good. Wow. God is real. How is there any other explanation other than the fact that there really is a God and that God cares about me? I was a student at Lipscomb University many years ago and I grew up in a denomination that I still love and have a soft spot for. Uh, I love going home and visiting family. And so nothing you hear today is a, is, a, is a wrist slap on anybody's church or denomination. I would not be who I am had it not been for the spiritual foundation laid in my life as a young teenager. That being said, uh, when it came to spiritual gifts and walking in the Holy Spirit, this was a conversation that did not happen in our ministry context. So even as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old going to college, I had, a, at the university I went to, you had to have a mandatory Bible class because it was a Christian school. 
And so I had, a, I had a missions class with a professor, Dr. Owings. I remember him still. And one particular week, he had spent most of his life on the mission field. He invites the entire class off of school property. And so we're at the very front of the school, and he has a missionary that he would like all of us to meet. And she's Russian, and she has this thick accent, and she's sharing her story of, of, of ministry and missions in Mother Russia, and, you know, has, has, is in stateside raising funds and all the things. And she begins to, you know, share her story, and, you know, like, a, like an 18-year-old who is hungry, I'm thinking, good, okay, God, let's speed this up, come on. Like, I need to get to lunch because I'm starving here. You know, I, I'd heard lots of things. Heard lots of mission stories before I'd grown up in church, so this wasn't anything new. <laughs> and then the professor says, hey, would you pray for our class? Okay, great. Instead, she proceeds to literally one by one pray over every single person in our class. And we're standing outside in the middle of a field, mind you. And I got guys in fraternities, sororities, people that I know. People that I know, right, standing right next to me. And I'm watching this woman as she just puts a hand on a shoulder and begins to pray one person at a time. And it took forever. But by the time she started getting closer to me, I'm watching pe my peers. I'm watching eyes well up with tears and tears streaming down people's faces. And she's, as she's getting closer and I can hear what she's praying, she's praying very specific prayers about people's lives. And now I'm getting, she's getting closer to me, and I'm thinking, God, if you're real, don't let her touch me. <laughs> this is, I don't want any of this. This can't be real. And if you know any of, uh, much of my story, at the time I was surprised in a boy band and trying to, you know, we had a record deal on the table, and I didn't know if I actually wanted to move forward with it. I was scared to death about dropping out of school getting on a tour bus and the whole nine yards. I didn't know what I was doing. It's 19. And she gets to me, and she's just, you know, just a tiny woman, and she just puts a hand on my shoulder, and she begins to pray. And I remember it like it was yesterday when she began in her thick accent, and she began to pray and say, there's a great decision on your shoulders right now, a decision about music. You don't need to be worried. Give it to God. It's all going to work out perfectly. And I just stood there, eyes the size of saucers. Amen. She finishes the prayer, and everybody just begins to walk away. And I, you know, kind of do the, the slow jog up next to the, my professor, and I'm like, Dr. Owens, what, what just happened? He said, I've spent most of my life as a missionary overseas. In non-Western contexts, might I add. And have seen and participated and engaged and been ministered to by the power of God in ways that many of you as young students have not experienced or tasted. And while I don't have permission from the university to do that on property, I wanted you to experience the power of God in a way that you probably hadn't before. And I stood there, and in about 30 seconds, my brain and soul and spirit was stretched so far beyond who I thought God was. It was emotional for me. It was a paradigm shift for me. It was transformative for me. And it began a four-year journey of me beginning to read and pursue God in different ways because in a moment I had experienced uh, the manifestation of God's spirit in such a way that I could not deny that he was real and I could not deny that he was good. I was tasting the goodness of God and he knew about the details and affairs of my life enough to reveal it to someone else that they could pray over me and for me about it. And my brain was shredded. 
And about three years in, I finally took a deep breath. And I, it was, I allowed myself to consider that maybe that crazy church down the street wasn't. I don't want to go there. But maybe they're not crazy after all. And then at a friend's house in Lexington, Kentucky, friend from college, I woke up early before anybody, a bunch of people had, you know, crashed at a friend's house, you know, college life, and, and I, I'm eating pancakes, as a matter of fact, and was reading the Bible and praying, and I was supposed to be driving home to St. Louis, and as clear as day, I felt for the first time ever, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a leading that was so strong that I felt the Holy Spirit saying, get in your car, and instead of going to St. Louis, I want you to drive straight to the lobby of Bethel World Outreach Center, which was this Every Nation Church. And I literally am having a conversation in the kitchen over pancakes with God. I don't want to do that. This is weird. That's uncomfortable. I've never engaged like this before, but I did. I got in my 1998 Cherry Dodge Stratus, drove back to Nashville, and I walked into the lobby, and I met a guy who was a year older than me, a campus minister, Belmont University. He said, well, we've been praying for Lipscomb, but we haven't known anybody yet who attends that school. We've been praying for you, and we don't even know you. I said, well, here I am. And so we started reading the Bible together and began praying together. And a campus ministry was born and birthed out of this. And, and a, a, a fresh pursuit of God and what God would have his people walk in it was born at Lipscomb University and Belmont and Roundabout. And it was an exciting time, church. And I don't care if you are 74 years old or if you're seven years old, you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And yes, some of them are unusual for us because as Westerners, they defy our pragmatic brains and our, and our logical brain that God can, can heal a body or that God can, can give someone a word of knowledge, but God does it. I promise you, he moves this way. And if you will allow yourself the ability to be moved by the Spirit, you just might find yourself walking in the same grace and the same power. So how do I actually walk in the gifts of the Spirit? What do I actually do, Andy? I'm so glad you asked. Number one, you've got to believe that God's power is literally for today. It starts there. I used to get so offended as a believer, you know, as an 18-year-old who took three years, I was unwilling to have this conversation with anyone because, after all, I was a good Christian. And how is it that a good Christian as, as myself would not be walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Surely, I should have experienced that by now. Therefore, it cannot possibly be true. And you can see already that a theology that is, is being built not on the Scriptures, not on what is being taught, but on a lack of experience. And because I haven't tasted it, it therefore cannot be true. It's like you saying that because you've never tasted authentic Indian curry, that Indian curry can't be true or can't be real. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Yet this is what we do as it pertains to God's power. Well, God doesn't really move like that anymore. Oh, yes, he does. Why would he move in someone's life powerfully that just, for the most part, doesn't want him to move powerfully in their life or isn't asking for it or doesn't believe? I realize there are exceptions to that. But for the most part, God moves in response to faith. So here's what I want to do for you. If you are on the fence or you, you struggle with this or you don't understand this, I have a resource for you. And I, I told you this is going to be a little more academic today. There's a book that I would encourage you to read. You can take your phone out. You can snapshot it on the screen uh, literally behind me. It's called Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. It's written by Jack Deere. And uh, it's about a seminary, it's a seminary professor who wrote the book, but it is not boring, it is not academic in nature, uh, but it is someone who did not believe 
and was the professor in a seminary, conservative seminary, and God rewrote the script on his life. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't read it and you want to grow in this, get this book. You can buy it on Amazon. It can be here in two days. Or one, if you're really willing to pay. Here's the other thing. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 31, he writes that you are the body of Christ. We are. And that each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's talking to a church that has struggled with what to do with all of their gifts. And to be honest, they're doing what many American churches do as well. They've made tongues this gigantic thing. It's all about tongues and tongues and tongues and tongues. And Paul is saying, would you desire, first of all, love each other. Love covers over every single thing that you're doing. And if you don't have love, who cares about how gifted you are? Seal that, make that the foundation of your life. Now begin to walk in the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, use your faith here and believe and pray and ask and believe for the greater gifts. Pursue Him. If you don't desire for God to give you gifts, why would you expect to walk in gifts? And we as a church, when we understand that the manifestation of the Spirit is for each other and an unbelieving world, then we can understand how vital it is to hunger for gifts that are great. Do you think someone who doesn't know Jesus might be moved to consider the reality that Jesus is the Son of God when their Father is prayed for? They've been given no, you know, it's the life sentence. They've got three months to live. And they're prayed for and they're made well. Do you think that that causes pause in someone's soul? Does it make them take a step back and say, maybe this God is real. Maybe this Jesus is who they've been saying he is. See, we need to walk and the power of the Spirit. And that means that we've got to ask Him for it. We've got to pursue Him for it. And you've got to hunger for it. Eagerly desire it. Don't just desire it. Eagerly desire it. There's pizza that I love in St. Louis, Missouri. Bear with me. It's at a place called Joe Bacardi's. And when I say that it is, it is just famous in our family or in St. Louis, it's St. Louis-style pizza. And any time I know, even when I don't, sometimes I dream about it, but if I know I've got an opportunity to get to St. Louis, my appetite for it just, it grows. And I think to myself, oh my gosh, that large bacon and pepperoni pizza. And, and it isn't just a desire that begins to, to, to pr be produced in my heart. No, I'm eagerly desiring it. I'm looking at the menu. Amy and I are talking about it, and we're like, what do you think? Can we, can we go there three times, do you think? I mean, I know we're only there three days, but I think we could squeeze a trip in every single day. What do you think? And there's an eagerness to get there, an eagerness to taste it, an eagerness to eat it. It's not just a casual desire. No, 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 no. We are... We are, we are we're reprogramming our life to make sure that we get time at Joe Bacardi's because we want that thing. If you really want God's gifts at work in your life and you really love his church and you really love people who don't know Jesus, will you not do anything to hunger and be eager for God to grace you with gifts that would be a blessing to his people? Solomon prayed something similar as I begin to close. 
if you remember, that's my paraphrase. I don't have the verse handy for you, but Solomon was dreaming and God appeared to him in a dream. And in that dream, God told Solomon he would give him anything he wants. Whatever gift you'd like me to, to, to bring out of the back, you know, the back closet and give you, name it Solomon and I will bless you. And what Solomon asked for pleased God's heart so much because it revealed the true heart of Solomon. And he said, man, more than gold, more than riches, more than wives, more than a palace, more than a temple, more than all of these things, would you give me wisdom to lead your people to be a blessing to your people? That I would lead them in such a way that when they taste and see the leadership from me to them that they would acknowledge that God is good and that God is real would you give me wisdom to lead and God said because your heart is for me for my people not only am I going to do that I'm going to give you all the gifts in my kingdom he blessed him beyond compare and there's something to be said, church, when a, a community, when a family, when a church, when a people are bent and hungry for God to move, not only in their midst, but outside these four walls. That walking in God's grace and his gifts wouldn't be about a celebrity status. It wouldn't be about your thing. It would be about the church coming together and the church representing God in his fullest measure to each other and to the world. But all too often what happens nowadays in our, in our world of social outrage is that we have one person with a gift over here and one person with a gift over here and instead of working together and realizing that where I lack, you have and where you don't have, I have. We judge one another and we say that you should be like me instead of walking in the unity of the faith and representing God to the world. Imagine someone is sick in our midst. What does it look like for the church and its many giftedness to come together and represent God? Well, there are those who are rich in mercy and who have gifts of mercy. And you know what they might do? They might just come and, and literally sit with the person who is sick. And they might just make that person feel good by being merciful and caring for them. And then someone else might have a gift of helps. And you know what they might do? They might show up at that sick person's home and cut that person's grass. Because that's the kind of gifting that God's given them. And then there are other people who have gifts of generosity, and they're thinking, boy, while they're sick, how are they paying their bills? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a check, or I'm going to get some cash, and I'm going to anonymously slide it under the doormat because that's the gift that God has given me. I want to be a blessing to them. And then there are other people who might have giftedness in teaching or the word, and they might be able to sit down and provide instruction as to how we got here in the first place. And that's the gift that they bring. And then there's another gift where someone has a gift of intercession and they're just praying for that person to be made well. Or someone who has a gift of healing who says, you know what I'm going to do? A gift of faith. I'm going to drive to this person's house and I'm going to lay hands on them and I'm going to believe for God to heal them right here, right now. What an amazing picture that is, isn't it? But instead... The person who has the gifting over here looks and, and says, well, why are you just cutting the grass? You should be doing more. What's your problem? Or the person who's rich in mercy is upset at the person who's rich in truth. Or the person who's rich in truth is upset at the person who's rich in mercy. Instead of coming together and being the fullness of Christ. when we do, people will say, God is good. God is real.
pray here in just a moment. Maybe with one last action step. And that's to attend a, a, a moment called Engage the Spirit coming up on Friday, April 12th. We have someone who's coming who's going to be ministering prophetically here in our church on a Friday night. Maybe you've never experienced that. You might be thinking, I don't want to go to that. Come. Worship. Pray. And trust for God to move, maybe in ways that you haven't seen Him move before. It's going to be a powerful night. And I promise you, you're going to see people get set free who would only get set free if they were being impacted by the power of the Spirit. That's Friday night, and it's April 12th, and between now and then, church, I want to invite you to read about this, to seek God about this, to pray about it, to read the scriptures, read the book of Acts, which is literally covered to cover of the Spirit moving in the early church. Read the book of Corinthians, where you see great instruction given to the early church. Read Romans, where you see great instruction given to the early church. In both practical gifts and charismatic gifts. And I want you to begin to exercise your faith. Seek God for great gifts in your life. Use your faith. Pray. Trust God. Ask questions if you need to, but begin to use the gifts that God has given you. Amen. Stand to your feet. I debated on having a ministry team moment at the end of service today. we are going to have that moment. <laughs> if you were, if you stood up and were part of Making Disciples, after I finish praying, would you come down front and just make yourself available for another week to pray for anyone who needs prayer of any kind? Prayer for healing. Prayer, pray for the heart. Pray for a situation. Pray. What I want you to do, church, is to seek I need you to be walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And you need me to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. And we need each other to walk in the gifts of the Spirit so we can be the body of Christ to each other and to the world. We need that together, church. We got to hunger for that. We got to be broken for that. Let's pray for it. Father, I thank you now. Jesus, that you died on a cross and you saved us from sin. You atoned for it. And you made it clear that those who would have new life would simply put their faith in you and trust you, God, for what you have done. And that you would fill us with the Spirit and that Spirit would transform us and make us new and also bring gifts of the Spirit. God, I pray that we would not settle today as just Christians who exist. I pray that we would eagerly desire the greater gifts. I pray that we would pursue the scriptures, that we would read books, that we would pray to you, that we would ask questions of those who are walking in gifts and walking in the grace of gifts. God, help us to be the kind of people who do not settle for simple, trite answers, but who hunger and thirst for righteousness and the truth of God. God, would you move in our lives today? Fill us with your power. The gifts of the Spirit today we might say that you are good.